0: people learn what they're taught by their family by society and culture It's not necessarily that we're actively and directly taught to be racist because of the society in which we're raised where there are so many stereotypes and so much systemic racism that permeates our lives, guiding us in that direction. We don't have to be actively and directly taught. It's all there. So unless we're specifically taught otherwise, that's what we absorb.
1: And welcome to the Shrinks on Third, our psychology and social justice podcast. I'm psychologist Julie Mayer. And I'm psychologist Cindy Ariel. Welcome in. Since this is the last Tuesday of the month, we're kicking back with an episode of Shrinks After Hours, where Cindy and I talk more informally about issues that concern us. Today, Cindy and I have given ourselves the challenge of trying to understand what makes people racist. I have to say, I think this is a very complex issue. But let's see if we can make some inroads. So let's start at the beginning. How do you think racism starts? Good question.
0: <laughs> I think it starts really early on. You know, I don't believe people are born racist. That seems absurd. But we do absorb the attitudes and values of people around us from a very young age, I think. so. Children can show racist behavior and become racist by internalizing attitudes and values from the world around them. Of course, most of this happens without our being consciously aware of it,
1: which is probably why later on we feel so offended when our racist beliefs are called out. I think that's a really important point. I mean, I think it's true. Without knowing it, children pick up on the ways that their parents or their elders see the world. They learn from them. And then they internalize their views and their fears and i think all of us have done that to some extent it's true about many things but certainly that includes racist attitudes and it's especially true when there aren't any competing viewpoints to contrast with those of somebody's immediate family you know what i mean i do
0: i i think it's more common to have competing viewpoints today, like within a family or neighborhood yeah. than there was when we were growing up, things were more homogenous, I guess. Yeah. But families still, for the most part, share similar views and values, which makes sense and isn't by itself a bad thing. But racial segregation has kept white and Black Americans separate and resulted in fear and ignorance and stereotyped thinking. Most of us run in circles that are predominantly like ourselves in terms of race, so we might not get the opportunity that we need to establish ties and understanding.
1: Right. So somebody who was raised in a very white community may have very little experience. The only information they get is from their family or community, maybe television, and that limited exposure can contribute to the blinders that people have on or, and that, of course, they're not even aware of. That's why they're blinders. And then they think they know the world they live in and maybe they haven't really questioned their assumptions. Most of us don't. And then people just believe that their perception and the perceptions of those around them are correct.
0: And even more than just ignorance and assumptions, there's a racial hierarchy in our country that subtly and not so subtly, even very directly empowers certain people to think or act in racist ways. You know, power structures have been set up from the beginning, even through legislated racism. And then the media like TV, movies, or the news highlights and reinforces the positive representation of whites and a negative representation of black people and people of color, which keeps them marginalized. So much of this is so insidious and many argue it doesn't even exist.
1: Yeah, people argue it doesn't exist. It makes it hard to talk about it. Um. <laughs> Not everyone is eager to question their beliefs and assumptions, like we're saying, especially if the beliefs actually serve them, right? So it's hard to question these things without feeling guilty or ashamed or foolish. I think it makes people feel some shame or, or potential shame, and they really don't want to feel that super uncomfortable feeling. Um, I think a lot of people feel like they should have known better or that somehow they're guilty and responsible in a way that they didn't think they were. Yeah, I often feel I should have
0: known better. I, I, wish, I wish we did. And there are a lot of people who don't wanna care more about others. Yeah. We don't wanna face the intrinsic racism in our country. It makes them feel bad and even angry. And maybe they get defensive and don't wanna deal with the racism or their own feelings. Yeah, we've talked a lot about how unaware we've been of the systemic racism all around us in the United States, which basically has been absorbed by so many of us, white people and people of color. White people have been particularly blind to racism, believing that our skin had no color. But we can find racism in every one of our institutions, our schools, the courts, media, businesses, government, in
1: hospitals, right? I mean, this is what you and I've been trying to do to see beyond all the assumptions and lies that are fed to white people, finding it everywhere, everywhere. It's, uh, it's challenging. And, you know, we found that we have to work hard at it. And we have to keep coming back to it kind of like detectives uh, looking for racism in our everyday lives. Because it is so much a part of life in the US.
0: It is easier to blame others for our shortcomings or to compare ourselves to others and try to feel better about ourselves that way. We all fall into believing stereotypes or false narratives about other people or groups. I feel it's important to question that always. Mm -hmm. Racism has created an arbitrary imbalance of power based on race, on the color of skin. Really, it makes no sense when we put it under the scrutiny of rational
1: minds. I agree, it's really weird actually. Um, (laughs) From the beginning of this country's existence though, that is how it's been and throughout its history. Power through racism has been a defining part of this country and we've only, in all the work we've done to try to uncover racism, we've only just proved it over and over again. And we've all played a part as have our ancestors We've all been on one or both sides of this equation and we all have to look at it as clearly as possible so that we can make changes.
0: So I guess the basics of what we're saying is that people learn what they're taught by their family, by society and culture. It's not necessarily that we're actively and directly taught to be racist because of the society in which we're raised, where there are so many stereotypes and so much systemic racism that permeates our lives, guiding us in that direction. We don't have to be actively and directly taught. It's all there. So unless we're specifically taught otherwise, that's what we absorb. So people, children quickly learn the hierarchies around us by hearing things people say or by watching how they act. Just seeing Black people and white people sitting separately at an event or in the school cafeteria all sends a message that's picked up by everyone.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you're actually making a really important point that it's not like our families are directly teaching us to be racist. Most of the time, I'm sure there are families that actually do that. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) But I, I think a lot of us who wouldn't want to be racist and same with our families pick it up in all these subtle ways, like you're saying, it's not that it's specifically taught, but unfortunately it still is handed down in so many subtle and obvious ways from one generation to the next. Absolutely. Our language, you know, the way we talk and our stereotypes about people all perpetuate
0: racism and can have a big impact on people's jobs, housing, their opportunities. We know now that racism can be anything from a subtle comment or action, you know, for example, things that are considered microaggressions, like not sitting next to a person of color or asking them where they come from. Sometimes these acts are unintentional, but their impact is still
1: negative and hurtful and should be avoided at all costs. Oh, definitely. I mean, we've talked about microaggressions with people. We had a whole podcast on it. Yes. Yeah. So whether it's direct or subtle, intentional or unintentional, obviously racism is extremely hurtful. It is,
0: and when you look at it, racism is so shallow and mean and can make people feel unwelcome or uncomfortable at best. And at worst, it can make someone feel unsafe or
1: isolated or even make them unsafe and put them in actual physical danger. Well, yeah, or kill them like like happened with George Floyd. You know, racism can lead to death. Mm. I think that many people who say and do racist things automatically don't even realize that they're being racist. And when their assumptions are questioned, why would they think they're racist? They wouldn't because they think they're good people and good people aren't racist. But of course, assumptions get questioned when white people meet people who are different from them with, in skin color, background, language, place of origin, etc. When people meet other people who are different from them, then often I think that has a big impact on racism, it, it can mitigate it.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, we know that diversity can improve all of our lives, but not everyone is comfortable with that idea. Right. We know it. Racism grows from thinking that all members of a specific group are the same, as if all people of one skin color are good and the rest are not. It, it's just not logical. Is, isn't it strange to actually believe that if your skin is white, you're better than if your skin is black? That's yeah. seriously an odd idea that we learn and buy into. You may have a favorite color but that doesn't mean make something better or worse because of its color that's true for people too it's like if eye color or hair color was some kind of divider for who is better and who's worse smarter or not nicer or not worthy or not
1: yes crazy it doesn't make any sense (laughs) exactly
0: and unless we purposely think about it and work consciously to change it Those ideas were planted our entire lives in everything we do, and we won't even notice how ridiculous it is if we don't take a look at it and try to see it. No race is superior, inferior. Race is not a biological difference. It's a social one.
1: Yeah, Cindy, obviously what you're saying sounds very obvious, (laughs) yet it hasn't been so obvious to so many people who really believe that these things are meaningful.
0: It's still not.
1: Yeah, in subtle ways, we all carry around prejudices and racist assumptions that we don't even know to question. They're just very automatic thoughts. So our job, I mean, as good people is to mindfully question those assumptions as much as we can, right? Right, we might
0: not like describing ourselves as racist. Of course we don't. (laughs) But all of us can probably think or act in racist ways. It doesn't help to just tell people it's wrong to be racist or by educating people about diversity. We have to be actively and proactively anti-racist. We have to work against all these influences or they will influence us without our knowing.
1: Yeah, it's true. So we recommend as psychologists and social justice advocates that everyone try to work on their inherent racism. And that is what we try to do. It's a really good thing to do. It means questioning assumptions, questioning beliefs, questioning fears. None of us should think we know it all. And I think that means we have to approach this with some humility.
0: Yeah, we really have to try to see beyond our blinders. I've kind of made it a personal challenge and I recommend it. (laughs) Work on it, look for it, read, watch, listen. It's like other things in the unconscious, you know, you have to like really look and bring it out. It's also why we have to listen to black voices because white voices we've been listening to haven't been able to see all of this and teach us to be different.
1: You're kind of making the argument that um, people maybe shouldn't be listening to us. (laughs) Well, ultimately that's true.
0: If we didn't feel we had to do our part to promote social justice and make some kind of transition in our world, it wouldn't be important to listen to us. It would be important to listen to the people we
1: highlight, the ones that are actually knowing and doing. True, I mean, we love doing this podcast and we we really hope that you'll continue to listen to us anyway. And join us in our effort to learn about racism in our culture, to spotlight people of color, and to try to make the world a little bit better. But in addition to sharing our journey, you can do other things too.
0: Yes, such as supporting organizations like Black Lives Matter, the Southern Poverty Law Center, and the Movement for Black Lives. Do what you can to be an advocate, a true ally, even an accomplice. We're trying to move from how we became or are racist to how we can be anti-racist. We've made it our goal to help stop racism by challenging ourselves and others to change the ways we think and act.
1: It's hard work. It's painful. But you know, it's also exhilarating. And we find that the more we understand how racism has impacted so many people in this country, the more we understand in general. The pieces of history fit together better. Our view is clearer. And basically we feel more in line with our own true values, which is a really healthy thing. (laughs) That all people are created equal and should be treated as such.
0: Well, I just love that. I think we should leave it right there. <laughs> and
1: yeah, that's a great ending, Julie. And for all you listening, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us. You can find us at shrinksonthird.com and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at shrinksonthird. Till next time, take care. <laughs>